Welcome back. You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Ross, Xbox Live, Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live, Stevevich. And we finally found a way out in episode 182 today, July 17th, 2020. We are going to have, as always, a fun show in store for you. Our topic of the day is our Ubisoft forward analysis, which you can fast forward to if you look at the timestamps located in the details section of iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Otherwise, you just keep on listening. Steve, welcome to the weekend. Thank goodness for that, too. This week is kind of drugged by. Dragged by for uh, the Stevevich. Man, I'm glad it's Friday. Friday is Friday. Everybody get down on Friday. Is that a song? Um... Because I've heard you sing that incredibly off-key before. Yes, it is a song. I don't know if it goes quite like that before. I'd play it for you, but then we'd have to dispute a little. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm tired of disputes, Steve. <laughs> yeah. I feel like my half my life is uh, dealing with uh, YouTube disputes. You know or what? social media disputes. You, just, mm. you know, it's one of those things where, I don't know, it takes the, the, the slice of life, if that makes any kind of sense whatsoever. I dispute that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it just takes oh, up like boy. a lot of time. And I mean, my thing is, is like, it's one thing if you're making a yeah. money off it or whatever. We're, we're, dispute. Sure, we're, yeah. we're not, no, no, we're not making a dime, Steve. <laughs> we're not making a penny. We're not making anything <laughs> off these things. Right. But everybody has gotten very legalistic and disputy. Disputy indeed, <laughs> which, you know, I must say, I uh, I understand as an artist, you don't want your work to be used mm. without either permission or right. if there are some Benjamins in it for right. you because you're the creator. I get it. I understand. Right. Not a big deal. I just wish that they would tone it down a bit in terms of like if we were doing like, for instance, the latest one of those, mm. we were our... Was it we or I? I don't know. I think it was me. I was playing Legends of Runeterra and I was streaming it, doing a live stream goodness. And uh, I had to dispute it on Facebook with their Facebook games platform. I'm thinking, wait, I'm playing a game. This is what this platform is designed for is to live stream you playing a game. I have no control over like who has a gripe <laughs> that I'm playing the game online. Yeah. Now, luckily, the good news of that particular one is that the person came back and they dropped the dispute. I saw that. Which was very nice. I was yeah. like, thank you very much. That was very kind. That Did was very you, uh, practical, very pragmatic, very uh, scholarly of them to do. Did you say, did you ask them if they, they were using common sense before they filed the dispute? No, I am always very respectful and professional when yeah. I you see. It. I probably would say, are you stupid? <laughs> Did you look into this first before you filed a social media complaint? See, I, I would rather just try and move past. Because once again, I find that there is a fair amount of my time spent on disputing disputes. And I just thought, you know, here's, okay. Well, People, here we go. Here's, here's just what's going on. Here's what's up. Uh, can, we, can we get past this? Can we, do, can we do that? Is that too much? No. Yeah. Good. Okay. Thank you. you. Sound like Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> no, uh, I always love it whenever we do that uh, in our previous episodes, do our Jeff Goldblum impersonations. It always puts a smile on my face. Right. 
So what have you been up to, Steve? Well, Russ, you know. No, I don't know. That's what I'm asking. You remember I had downloaded Final Fantasy IX. I do declare. I started playing it. And it is very slow to start. And it's not, I mean, it's going to take a minute. I am still in the beginning of the game. Mm. And since I have started to search through games to explore every corner, I'm doing that with this. Finding extra things, but I have literally, I think I just got, yeah, I just got past the very, very first part where, like, you are introduced to the princess. Like, the very first thing you do in the game, like, after the title screen, mm. that's what I've done. And it's taken me, like, three hours. Mm-hmm. My gosh. Like, to dole those hours out. Oh, that's funny, too, because, like, the opening sequence, I remember watching the opening sequence on... PlayStation back in the day when when it was new, and I remember like you know all this, these renderings and, and stuff that was that were happening. I thought, well, it's, it's kind of choppy, <laughs> and it must be because the the resolution is so high that the PlayStation can't take it without having a little chop here and there, you know, a choppy chop, slap chop, and for some chop. And so when I'm playing it now on my Xbox One, it's still freaking choppy. And so it's like they the, the chop was recorded into the, the cinematic sequence, mm-hmm. and they went, ah, we just got to throw it out there. There's no updates. The game's done. We got to go. Deadlines, deadlines, deadlines. And so they just put it out that way. And that's how it, it transitioned from one console to the other console was still having this, like, really, very choppy rendered sequence. So I kind of think everything, all the rendered sequences might be that way. I don't know for sure, because I haven't seen them all yet, Russ. But I that is getting my attention. Well, Hang color out. me shocked, Steve. Yeah. It is interesting to me knowing that you are starting a Final Fantasy game, one that you have already played. Yep. When, in fact, you have not started playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, which yeah. is a game you have played for the PlayStation back in the day. Yeah. And the only reasoning that comes to mind is that this particular title was on Game Pass, so mm. you didn't have to pay anything more right. for it. <laughs> Correct. That's a nice surprise. However, at the same time, though, I mean, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Steve. FF7 Remake. Oh, no. You are the one person I instantly thought of when they announced this title as you being the yeah. first person in line to mm-hmm. get the game and mm-hmm. start playing it relentlessly. And that has not happened, Steve. And in fact, there's a, a disturbing pattern going on here where it's mm-hmm. also with the Resident Evil series. You are the Resident Evil expert. You are the resident expert in the evil, Steve. And yet you have not played Resident Evil 3 yet. We know. I guess my expectations have gone up a bit. Ross, because, I mean, I've always, I've said Resident Evil 3 should have been a DLC pack for Resident Evil 2. That doesn't make any sense, though. Those are two completely I different games. I know they're two completely separate games, but they're using, like, basically the, the, the same engine, and the whole entire sequence of Resident Evil 3 is, like, half or probably even a quarter of the story and the length of play than Resident Evil 2 was. I have heard that the length is shorter than Resident Evil and 2. So it should have just been like a $30 DLC and it, and it would have been fine. I would have got it and it was been great. But have charge an extra 60 bucks for a game that's like the same game you literally just played and finished. Which is a good game. Which was a good game. I'm still making my way through that game. So I like, for example, 
you buy The Witcher 3. Mm. You finish Witcher 3. The DLC pack, I think the Blood and Wine, when it was brand new, was still 30 bucks. And even that was probably longer than Resident Evil 3. Indeed. So that's where I'm at. So I think my expectations have. And it's just, it's just, it's just Final Fantasy. Mm. See, at Final Fantasy 7, you're not getting the whole complete game yet. You're not. That is correct. And so before when I played it, I bought the whole complete game. Now they're taking their time to just just remake and remake and remake. Okay, so we're going to try. It's like it's like watching The Hobbit. Anyway, you go to, and, and this is not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but you go to The Hobbit. No, I you, understand. And you expect it to be the whole movie. But then they decide to make it into three movies. You're going, okay, well, that's cool, but I kind of wanted the whole movie, but I kind of don't. I don't know, but you kind of put some filler in there, too. It didn't have to necessarily be three movies. Well, and I feel that's kind of what Squaresoft is doing. They could have given you, like... It's a little different, though, because like in The Hobbit, The Hobbit's storyline was not nearly as in-depth as the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh-huh. So, therefore, it doesn't make sense to, like... like create three different movies for that. That was kind of more of a money grab, I want to say. It was kind of a money grab. However, when it comes to Final Fantasy VII, that was arguably, if you were to compare the stories between The Hobbit versus Final Fantasy VII. Right. Final Fantasy VII, I remember, had a lot more in there. So it did. So logically speaking, it does make more sense for them to actually have multiple games come out because you can't, like, especially with the the graphics fidelity that they're putting into the game that's that takes a while to I'm create sure, all that. hey i'm i'm sure it took a while to create the initial game because they are working with the technology had and you really need to play this game steve you yeah, really do i know i feel bizarrely uh i don't know like like it's it's i'm in the twilight zone steve where i'm playing final <laughs> fantasy 7 <VII> remake <laughs> Instead of you, and it's just like this is not right. This is well, you're getting I, the you're getting the whole Steve experience. should be playing this, and I should be watching him play this like the old days. But now the roles have been switched. I'm just I'm not watching you. <laughs> <laughs> but now you're getting the whole entire experience that I played back in the day on the limited graphics that that uh, that were <laughs> that is so, that was that will forever be so. That's the thing. So I, I paid full price to get a full game last time, and now I'm paying like triple the price as they're going to dole the rest of the game out. Have they actually said how many, um, I don't know, parts they're going to do? Well, it would make sense if it was three. I think actually the original game was like three, at least three discs, if not. I thought like, it was five discs. Yeah, if not more than that, yeah. So you think Midgard was all like the first game. Well, there's a crap ton that happens like after Midgard. Midgard was like like you you completed like the first quarter of the game with Midgard. And like there's a ton like you you don't even hardly even get strong like and get like some good spells and summon stuff until after Midgard. And so you just really like spent full price for just the beginning of the game. I just I will buy it. I will buy it. Because I support I support the game. I support the idea of remastering a lot of these favorites. Of course, yes, I do as well. I just don't feel like compelled to spend top dollar right away up front to get a quarter of a game of what I spent full price years ago to get a full game. Well, maybe they'll have some kind of sale in the future that, I don't know, 
may uh, tantalize you enough to pick up that game because I don't feel as though the cosmos are in alignment until you actually play this game, Steve. Well, Black Friday's coming up, Russ. A few more months. A few more months. That that may actually <laughs> be something for you. Right. How much would you be willing to spend on that mm, game? You cheap ass. <laughs> I would say, uh, I was thinking it's probably going to be around 50 bucks. Around 50? Friday. Okay. No, 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 no. I'm not saying I would spend it. I'm oh. saying it's probably going to be around 50 bucks on Black Friday. Hopefully it's going to be less than that. But if it is $50, would you buy it? I'd consider it. If it was $45, would you mm, buy it? Now nah, you're in more of my territory. Oh! <laughs> yeah, if it's 40 bucks, I'm definitely going to get it. Well, uh, there's a chance. There is a chance. Yeah. And I look forward to, I for one, Steve, mm. I for Uno mm. hope and look forward to the um, day yes. when you are playing this game yeah. and... I can actually hear what you have to say about it because there are certain things that, that apparently are different from the original game. Like they've, they've made some conscious story decision changes and uh, story change decisions, stories, decision, story change decisions. It's amazing how when you say that and you flip those words over and over and over again, suddenly they just sound one and the same. Anyway. Ah, uh, Yeah. Well, well, have you been playing? I know that you've been playing stuff, Steve. Well, why don't you tell us about well, some of your gaming adventures over so this past week? I do have to say that we, uh, we, you had been not wanting to play a way out for the longest time. That is not uh, accurate. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. No, my understanding was that I was the only one who had a copy of the full uh -huh. game, and I was not aware that that, uh -huh. once again, a cheap ass yeah. like yourself could no. just get the, what is it, the demo version? That's right. And the good folks, the good developers over at Hazelight Studios is actually- Hazelight or Hazelight? No, it's Hazelight Hazelight. Okay. Hazelight. Hazel. You're, you've got ice cream on the brain. Nah, more or like coffee. coffee. Yeah, I was going to say coffee. 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 Maybe ice cream in the coffee. Mm. Ooh, hazelnut ice cream in the hazelnut coffee. Now you are speaking my language. Oh, goodness. But anyway, uh, I was really impressed at the notion that they were supportive of that. And yeah. so once that happened, I was like, okay, that sounds good to me. We'll, uh, we'll do it. And then mm -hmm. continue. So uh, that was uh, pretty awesome. I mean, you know, the game, the game, the game is... You know, it's not. It doesn't brag about its graphics fidelity. It it brags on the quality of the story. I don't even know if there's and really the much design. bragging at all. I mean, there's not really. I mean, yeah, okay. That that was probably. I probably missed. You mean, you mean like the game doesn't boast like the it, best yeah, graphics? Yeah, it's not, not boast. I mean, they but they never really. I mean, I remember when they we were watching on E3 and then the 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 game director studio came out, head. Yeah, he yeah. was like, "Oh, this game was great," but he he wasn't boasting about how this is like the next generation. No, thing. he was boasting about how great the game was just all together. Absolutely. Um, and a few f bombs later. Um, <laughs> Well, he he actually have one of my favorite personalities. I think. Yeah, I've he witnessed. actually he does. Yeah. He's very down to earth. Yeah. He's you feel like he's just talking directly to you. He's yeah. not, he's not doing the typical uh, you know gel frosted hair tip. Uh, right. <laughs> You're gonna totally love this game. Roll it. You know, it's not like yeah. that at all. Um, and yeah. you can tell that that he's a um, uh, a very thoughtful person. He in the, in the sense that he likes to explore more of a, a story-driven narrative, yeah. which 
even with the the game that they're working on now, once again, you can see that that there a lot of thought has been put into who these characters are, what kind of interactions are going to take place, all within the confines of this unique story. So continue. So yeah, I I like when he when he comes out on stage. When he comes out on stage, it's like, all right, now you got my attention. Now let's see what happens here. Anyhow, so the game's been been great, but you have to play it with somebody else, of course. And the game, I mean. There's tons of different aspects in the game. Some parts are definitely redundant, and that's fine. It's kind of whatever. But as far as, like, the sound and the story and, you know, the depth and what you got to do when there was a surprise to the end. There, the, yes, absolutely. Uh, I have to talk about that a little later there, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we can talk about it now. That's okay, we well, I didn't even expect that. I that, figured that. that that would be kind of the, uh, the lion's share of what we talk about during what we've been up to. Man, I mean, I thought, okay, the story, okay, the story ended. Okay, you got it. That well, okay, let me pause you there for a moment. So, I don't know about you. What? When we started resuming the game. We didn't know where we were. I totally forgot. I'm like, okay. Like, I, I, like okay, so, so to give everybody an idea, if you've played the game A Way Out, we resumed being at a construction zone. And I mean, like, like my, my memory of what we had done beforehand was we started out in a prison. We met up. We're trying to bust out of prison. That was very much involved. We uh, were successful in that. We met uh, the character that I played was, uh, was it Leo? Yeah. Um, we met his family. Mm-hmm. You can see that like he's, he's a very poor, you know, poverty stricken, uh, type of lifestyle. And then we begin to learn more about your character and your character's family and that sort of thing. And that was kind of the, the cliff note, like high points of what I remember. And then all of a sudden, uh, we were, we find ourselves in this construction zone. And then we continue on from there. A lot. That, that was very, that was very cliff basic cliff notes yeah um that well, i mean that, that that's why when we started playing i'm like i have no memory of this place yeah yeah so anyhow we started playing and we kind of had to get used to the controls again what does what and exploring and talking and trying to figure stuff out and i didn't even think we we're that close to the end honestly i mean i know stuff had had gone by i didn't think we we're that close to the end we just kept on playing and streaming, and the time was going by. We weren't getting tired. We just kept on going. We were streaming for about two hours, I think. I think it was longer than that. But maybe, uh, maybe it was. Maybe it was three hours. It was about three hours. So, anyhow, the game gets all the way to the end, and it tells you, you got the, the 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 precipice of the of the story. Like the, the whole thing comes to a crescendo, and then I think the game is done. I think I'm going to watch the end and then it flips and the entire game, the, what have you been doing for 99% and now it's totally different. And now you're still in split screen, which is kind of odd. I thought it was going to be like, <laughs> I mean, I know why they did it, but I, but okay. I do think that's a genius move on their part. It, I, I, I love the idea how, even if you are on your own television screen and you're playing online or whatever, yeah. That is very much one of the gameplay mechanics of that game that sets it apart and makes it unique. Right. But here's the thing. So I don't want to give away the ending, but I mean, there's a part where you kind of have to go your own way. I'll just say that you have to go your own way. And I think I, I, I would think that the game, the designers would go, okay, if there's one person in one household playing as one of the two characters and there's another person and it's wholly separate household playing the other character 
and then you go your own way, it should just leave you with each screen of your own. You shouldn't have to look into the other person's screen because that kind of gives it away a little bit. And even though it was... There, there, it, there, there's a sense of pressure that's going on with that whole scenario, but I agree. I think that at that particular moment, which was like a huge like, oh, okay. Yeah. I do think that it would have actually um, reinforced the notion that they are no longer simpatico. Yeah, they're no longer on the side. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, um, and I found that I had to do things differently because of my play style and you have a different type of play mechanics for your play style. And so I, I thought, okay, this is not going to work for me because, uh, Russ is the bed. I'll shoot. Ah. <laughs> yeah. And so I have to coordinate something different. And so I, that's what I did. Um, but I thought the whole time, dude, he's going to see what I'm doing. Like, I can see what he's doing. I'm kind of, I'm still kind of focused on my side of the screen, and I don't want to be tempted to look on his side of the screen because, I mean, if it was, like, real life, I, mean, there's, I couldn't see what you were doing anyway. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. No, I totally agree, but, man, what a what a great game. Yeah. I must say, I'm, I'm glad that you suggested that we resume getting through that, that title, and we didn't have any clue as to, like, how much more we had to go through with it, but, you know, as an independent developer... Uh, I really do applaud Hazelight for for just a really cool game. Um, lots of personality and character through the whole thing. I love how the game takes place in the 70s. I like a lot of, of some of the forethought that took place with like the whole split screen thing. And it wasn't just even split screen. Like like sometimes you'd have like three or four screens that were taking place. But it it, it was it acted as both a like a gameplay mechanic, but also a narrative instrument as well. Almost as if you were reading a graphic novel, right. which I thought was great. And I, I thought the, you know, like, like we, we were kidding around a little bit regarding the actual script because they seem to grunt and say, yeah, a lot, you know, <laughs> but it is what it is. And it gets the, the whole deal across. Well, I mean, plus those sequences are not every time. And the script is pretty good. It just seems like in certain sequences, they're like, maybe the script writers thought, how are we going to tie this together? <laughs> how, what are we going to make these people say? And they had a deadline. And so it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I think what they were going for, <laughs> here's the issue is I think they were trying to leave certain things unsaid. But at the same time, I think the problem was that the graphics engine they were working with, it, it was, it wasn't basic, but it definitely was, I don't know, something that I would see more for like uh, a previous gen console right. game. Yeah. And again, I'm not knocking the game at all because I think it's a really stylistically cool game. But I do think that that was part of like the intent with the script was like, okay, yeah, like we want to leave some things here and there. Just let it set it on the floor or let it, let it simmer or whatever it is. Like, like kind of make the, the gamer wonder what actually happened or whatever right. it was. However, when the facial expressions are limited in terms of their emotes of animation, their facial expressions themselves, <laughs> I think some of that gets lost, but yeah. that's a small gripe. The, the game really had some cinematography. I mean, actually, I don't even know if it's called cinematography in a video game, but um, yeah, the attempted uh, made up cinematography. I guess I don't know. They have to create it. So, well, I mean, cinematography is like how um, 
the the shots are framed and how they're lit. Yeah, I mean, because the way the camera is panning a lot. I mean, there's a lot of uh, downtime. I would say half of the game you're uh, it is downtime. You're watching what's unfolding. In the front hospital of you. sequence was pretty entertaining, I must say. Yeah. In, in regards to what you're talking about, right? But and some parts like there was full screen of what you had to do versus what I had to do. And so then you're just sitting there watching me and then I'm sitting there watching you. And then something would happen where the, the, the computer would take control of both characters and they would talk and we'd still be sitting there watching it, you know? So I wasn't bored in the least. Though. No, I, mean, no, I, yeah. I was thoroughly entertained during yeah. those, those sequences. So did, did you think the game was good or did you think the game was great? I thought the game was, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great. I definitely thought it was outside the box. Let me put totally, it that way. Yeah. So I had a ton of fun playing it. And I would say if uh, you have a gaming buddy, then you would definitely want to play through this one. And it's probably quite a bit less money than it was last year. So uh, it's probably on a good deal. But it, it, it's it's definitely cool. But if you're looking for a fast-paced, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely not fast play. It's definitely not going to be your Fortnite. Definitely. But uh, I, like I, like you were saying, it's definitely a unique experience. It's something that I'm glad that I was able to partake in. Mm. And anytime I think back, especially when the topic of indie developers comes up, I'll, I will. it's a game I will not forget. Right. I, I will always have an appreciation for a title like that. It is our topic of the day! <laughs> our topic of the day is Ubisoft Forward analysis. This is the show that Ubisoft put on earlier in the week that was essentially like their equivalent of a lot of the E3 shows that have been transpiring over the past month or two. And so Ubisoft was up to bat and presented what is going to be coming out. So Steve, what are your high level thoughts on the presentation that Ubisoft gave? Well, I would have to say, I mean, I, I don't know if they're actually ready to show a show. I think it was maybe just like their turn or they want, really wanted to step up to bat. I don't really know. But it seemed like the show was also a bit rushed. I, I think they followed the parameters of you better show gameplay or you're going to have Dr. Disrespect disrespect you on a massive scale. But... Mm. I don't know, it just seemed like they didn't, A, they didn't have a whole lot of variety to show, and B, what they did show, and my opinion for games that I like to play, um, I wasn't too excited about it. And thirdly, I think that the show actually was kind of a long time. It was, overall, it was a bit boring. Um, I found myself, I, I just had to watch the highlights of the games because I just got tired of just kind of fast forwarding. I, I really, 
I, there wasn't enough there for me to watch a lot of what the developers had to say. And it's nothing against the developers. It's just a game that I'm not really excited about. So I don't want to spend my time listening to how you made the game. And so then I thought, okay, well, um, the, the, the show had like this, like this pre-show that lasted a long time. Like, yeah. like it was about an hour. I'm like, let's go. And then mixed with all of the, the segments with the developers and then the, the games, that was about another hour or so. And I just really wanted to see the games. I've been salivating for the longest time. Like, blow me out of the water here. We've been talking, they, they've been talking about Assassin's Creed Valhalla for the longest time. And it almost seemed like the footage they showed was almost like just in beta almost, or they, they were going back and forth between what it might look like on next gen versus current gen. And so in some sequences with Valhalla, you're, it, it looked good and then it just looked plain and then it looked good again. And then it looked plain and it, it just had me wonder too much too often what am, what am I what am I seeing here? And are they capitalizing on all the hardware that's available to them to make this game the best it could look? Or are they just using the hardware for what Assassin's Creed is, is, is known for, in my opinion, which is like the landscapes and like the cityscapes and all like the background? Because if you look at any of the last three at li- more than three Assassin's Creed's. Oh my goodness. The, the cityscapes are, t- I mean, it's beautiful. All the architect, I mean, they've done phenomenally well. So anyhow, I, I was quite bored with the, with the show. I, I did like the announcement for far cry six that got my, uh, my wheels turning. Mm-hmm. I wish I could see some gameplay of that, but I, I'm, they're going in, in the direction of far cry that I want them to go. And so that made me excited. But I'll stop there. Your thoughts, good sir. So it was a little confusing during the first 50% of the live stream because to your point, it wasn't the that the show had actually begun. They had this, this pre-show that was pretty substantial if you think about it. And I, I think because there wasn't communication ahead of time as to what the the program consisted of. It's like my expectation was when I started watching it, okay, they're just going to go into the games. And so the games they were showing, I was kind of confused as to like, okay, is this something that is going to be coming out later this year or in a couple of years or whatever it is. Once I figured out, oh, okay, this is more of a pre-show. This is These are games that, that they're working on that are probably coming out very shortly or whatever it is. It's like, okay, I understand that. I will say... I did appreciate the production value of their show in the sense that it was very professional in terms of, of, of its presentation and the, the folks who were speaking, they didn't take too long. They, they, they were actually very accessible in their delivery. And I found myself being engaged in as to what it was they had to say regarding the, the games that they were about to show. So I do applaud them for that. And even, you know, I, I like the idea of a studio or even a publisher that puts time into their very own pre-show because I think if it's done correctly, then you can actually retain viewership in a positive way. And I think you just, it's, it's all about the content. Like what, what is like, what are you going to put in the pre-show that's going to keep people around and help build that audience in, um, 
anticipation of when the, the, the official show kicks off. And I don't have a, a necessarily answer off the top of my head as to how to do that. But I liked what they were attempting to do in, in regards to, to that particular portion. I will say in terms of the games that they showed, there really weren't, there, there wasn't like a, like a particular game that made my jaw drop. And we'll, we'll go into like each one. Cause really they only showed, I want to say probably four main console titles with one or two mobile titles thrown in, which again, it reminded me of EA games in that regard where they have this, this very small lineup of games that they're showing, which leads me to another point, by the way, which there, there seems to be this trend among all the publishers where they don't want to show all their cards during the one show. They, they, it's like they, they're obsessed over having multiple shows. We know that Xbox is doing it. We know Sony's doing it. I'm not sure if EA said that they would have additional shows or not, but now Ubisoft has also come forth and said that they will have, in fact, another Ubisoft forward 2020 show down the road. And I'm thinking, why? Like, why, why can't you just show what you have? And especially considering the traditional method of E3, you know, E3, like you, you bring forth everything. And I think as a gamer, I don't like waiting. In fact, it's, it's kind of almost like the final fantasy thing that we talked about earlier, where they're intentionally divvying up what their entire roster of show of, of games that they want to show will be. And I don't know if I'd like that because I, I tend to prefer more of the, classic approach of just, yeah, just show us everything you got. Like we, we want to see everything you have right now. What, what do you think about that? No, I totally agree. I keep on thinking back to, uh, E3, I think about two years ago when I think it was three years ago when Sony had their show and they came out and they said, well, we can talk or we can show you the games. You want to see the games? And everybody goes, yeah. And then I think that's when they showed God of War and Spider-Man Ghost of Tsushima and they had all this stuff going on, and that was like the best show ever. And, yeah. it, and it wasn't that we didn't want to hear from the powers that be and the developers because those are great people. But all this hype is built up, and we're sitting there chomping at the bit, waiting for the game. So why why why, why not just give us what we want? Because we're going to love you for it. Why yeah. why? And the thing is, too, I, I just don't really understand why they have this pre-show when everything is pre-recorded like, well, I don't know if everything's pre-recorded. I mean, well, I mean, like it just the, definitely seems like it's pre-recorded. Certain like, things are pre-recorded in terms of the show, but other things are done live. Okay. Yeah. Maybe some stuff is, is done live, but, um, I mean, so like Sony's show was pre-recorded, I believe. And when the show came out, it was the show and there you go. And they had yeah. everything going on. And, and I mean, with when it, when, when it's E3, Yes, it is a live show and people are coming on stage and off stage and there's performances and there's like there's props you got to take down, props you got to put back up and so there's there's times when you can't just watch game after game after game after game after oh, game. Oh yeah, after yeah, game. yeah. And so then you'll have the pre-show, but for now there is no E3 and it's just a show that is set up. I I just kind of find it odd why there's this pre-show or the, the kind of like, I guess this lag time, like why, if it's going to be, if you're just going to tell us a day and a time to watch, 
and all we want is the games, why can't you just kind of tether this whole thing together and then give us that? Because that's all we're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. Why Why all this other stuff in, in the midst? Anyway, that's just me. I just, I just had to say it, Russ. So the first title on here that they were showing was Watch Dogs Legion. And one of the things I found very striking about this is that the um, apparently the the art direction or at least someone who is a, a heavy influencer in the area of the, the visual aesthetic was done by Alberto Mielgo, who was one of the concept artists on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. You know, he he actually was a part of that very early on. And he worked uh, in the visual development um for that particular film. And so you can see that, that his DNA is all over the visual aesthetic for this particular title, at least when it came to the, the pre-rendered cinematics. I mean, it, it was literally like you could remove that uh, girl who had the mask on, who was like running through the, the streets in the city and being on top of the bus. You could put Miles Morales in his Spider-Man outfit and it would literally be just that. Which again is not necessarily a bad thing because I actually am a big fan of that art style. But I will say, I think that they did such a tremendous job in owning that visual style with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse that, that to see that in a different property is a little odd. But it's not so odd where I don't think it works. I because I do think it, it does. I think it's interesting, but. I have kind of a complicated history with the Watchdog franchise in the sense that when the very first game was shown, I was supremely excited. I really liked a lot of what they were trying to do with it. But when the game actually came out, it was a far departure from what they were showing at E3 in terms of the graphics fidelity taking a huge downgrade. There were certain gameplay mechanics that they boasted about having that ended up not making it into the game. And it was just a watered down experience overall. It caused me to not even play the sequel. And so now we are on to part three and I'm not even sure if I'm going to try it out or not. I, 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 I haven't written it off in terms of like not doing it, but I think I'd have to see a bit more just because pretty much all they showed were, were pre-rendered cinematics. There weren't any actual like, substantial gameplay that allowed me as a viewer to drill down and really understand, okay, what is the game about? What does it look like? What are you able to do now that you couldn't do before? And also too, I think that it it has stiff competition with cyberpunk 2077. There is a correlation between the two guys, the the games, the the games, (laughs) I don't know where that came from, Uh, but maybe it's because watch dogs legions take places in Mario London. But, uh, you know, there, there's a correlation between the two titles in the sense that you have hackers. You have the kind of that, that technological, in the future kind of motif that's going on. But I think that Cyberpunk 2077 does it a whole lot better. And I think that Ubisoft is going to be in trouble because they have not pushed the bar far enough in terms of what they can do within their world. Because, in my opinion... The world that that they painted for Watch Dogs is actually really cool, but I think it becomes problematic in terms of okay, how do you actually make it something that's memorable? How do you how do you like like it's one thing to like I remember playing the original Watch Dogs game where you're walking down the street and you're able to kind of like see 
people on their cell phones. You, you can hack in their cell phones and see like how much money they make as a yearly salary and that sort of thing. It's like, okay, well that is a novel kind of initial flash in the pan kind of thing, but it's, it's, it doesn't have a lot of substance to it. And there were certain gameplay things about it that were cool, but ultimately watchdogs turned primarily into more of a shooter. It was like a third person shooter, which was disappointing to me because while I do think having some of that is nice for a, for a game of that genre, I wanted the, the dominant gameplay to actually deal with hacking to deal with like, well, the power of information, you know, how do you, how do you make that into something that that's a tangible gaming experience? Because if you go with the notion of, of having one of your core pillars of the game be information is power, I'd like to see more, more acts of manipulation to be able to wield that weapon. What do you think of the game, Steve? I think it just seems kind of a, one of those fad kind of games where, it seems exciting at first and then the excitement washes away and then you're on to other things. And it seems like the lifespan of, of watchdogs is short lived and I've wanted to get into it, but it seems, but it seems like, okay, we're all excited for this and then we play it and then the excitement goes away and then everyone stops talking about it. And then when everyone stops talking about it, I move on to other things and I don't think about it. And then another Watchdogs games come out and then our game comes out. And I think, "Oh yeah, Watchdogs. It looks like the other Watchdog. What's different about this one? I don't really get it a whole lot. Um, maybe it's just not for me. I don't know." But then people start talking about it again and then it goes away. And then now the third one comes out and then, and I once I've seen two of these game reveals for Watch Dogs, I see this one and it doesn't look like it's, to me anyhow, I could be totally wrong, but to me as a viewer, as a gamer who's watching the same thing everybody else is watching, to me there is just not that much different within the same game. It seems like it's the exact same game with the exact same story, just um, polished up. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's not enough to go out and <laughs> spend top dollar on it. Yeah. 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 I, I think one of the issues I do have with it is th there does seem to be kind of a played out approach with the characters themselves. Like, like the, I don't understand why, why every one of these games has to have these edgy characters, right? With like the neon pink mohawk and the piercings everywhere. And you got to wear a pig mask and you got to, you know, it's, it's like that, the, the Motley crew kind of thing. And it, I wish that there was a bit more thought put into how you could tell this story because it doesn't have to always be that way. You know, I, I think it would be interesting if they actually came out with a watchdogs where you flipped it in terms of like, you know, you, you work at like, say the NSA or you work at, at some sort of government agency, you're someone who's clean cut, you know, you're a law abiding citizen, everything else you're going through it. And it's all of these Motley Crue ragtag types that are causing insurrection and anarchy and everything else. And, you know, you got to go through and try and, and figure out who's who and bring people to justice and that sort of thing. I think that that would actually, you know, have the the potential to be able to inject some fresh life into a series like that. Um, otherwise, it's like, to your point, it's like you're kind of rehashing the same thing over and over and over again. 
so I'll, I'll see. I, there's a chance I might pick it up, but I, I'm definitely not uh, crazy excited about it. So the second title was Hyperscape. One of the things that struck me right out the gate is there are, it's kind of a, you could tell that there was heavy reference that was taken from two different movies. The first of which was Ready Player One. And I think it was a complete knockoff of, of the premise of, from that film where, you know, you could, you're, you don't like your real life. So you go into this virtual world and now you're somebody. And if you, if you make it and survive and everything else, then you can make a name for yourself and you know, win freedom or whatever it is. But like, I mean, I, I remember returning to you and saying, this is totally ready player one when we were watching this. Um, the other thing that I think is interesting is they have a gameplay mechanic in place where actual viewers who are watching people live stream this game can vote to have things happen during a match, which I think is actually pretty cool. I think it's interesting, excuse me, that you're able to have something like this that works. I'm not even sure how they're going to implement that because if you're on YouTube or you're on Twitch, I mean, you have all these different platforms that you can stream to. How are you going to ping their server to offset that? Maybe it's just texting a number on your phone. I have I don't think that would be wise though. Like just <laughs> to your reaction that I don't think people would be like, Oh yeah, let me do this. So it's going to be interesting to see, but even that is reminiscent of hunger games. I don't know if you've watched any of the hunger game movies, but there was something very similar where like you had people who would watch the games. And if you fancied or supported or we're, we're rooting for one of the, the real life players who are trying to survive in the hunger games, you could send them certain types of tools or attributes or first aid or whatever it is to help them survive. So there is a parallel that, that I found with that when I was watching the trailer, I was like, yeah, this is also reminding me of the hunger games, but here and there, I do think it, that if they're able to pull it off, I think it's, it's a, it's a neat concept. I think the, the, Question remains, will viewers who are into watching that actually participate to that extent? Because it's one thing if you have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who are watching all these different uh, matches going on and they're trying to influence like what happens. But if you only have like a handful of people watching and they're doing things, yeah, it's still going to like influence it here and there, but I don't think it's going to have as much of an epic scenario if you know what I mean yeah I know what you mean I was just kind of thinking that at, at this point while watching this game I thought okay well what are they going to do at this point because like that you know whole hacking kind of sequence kind of comes through with uh, particles and whatnot yep. but this title I, you had to kind of think about it a little bit because we just saw a city game where a lot of action was happening. The people are running around everywhere and get, getting offed. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, there's a bunch of shooting and running and a cityscape. And then we have another title, which is a little more sci-fi, but it's in the cityscape and they're shooting and they're running and they're jumping everywhere. And it's kind of, you know, computer based and whatnot. And so at this point, I, I was going, am I watching this? extension of watchdogs or am I right. watching something else? Because there, there's too many like attributes to both games. Yes. Totally. They're, they're different, but 
I had to be really invested in this game to look into it further because honestly, I, I missed that entire sequence on the first time of, oh yeah, you could watch this and, and vote this, that, and the other for different things to happen. And then I thought, okay, as you, is you, you saw, I take some microtransactions off that sort of thing, but I missed it the first time. Yeah. So anyhow, it, to me, it, I think the concept is interesting. I don't think it's such, it's necessarily a bad thing to take references from other successful movies. I don't think it's a bad thing whatsoever, but I think it would have been better to, to take away go away from the cityscape and go into maybe a forest or a beach or just some place different that looked like a busy city. Yeah. And then that would have kept my attention a little bit more. It does have kind of a generic feel to the, the art direction of the game. I totally agree. I think when it comes to the characters, it does look like they just burst out of watchdogs Legion and are now putting on their virtual headset to like compete for the, the ultimate prize kind of a thing. I do think that there are certain interesting aspects to the gameplay. I like the verticality of the game. I like how you can bounce super high up and you're running across building rooftops and that sort of thing. And how you can burst through walls with, um, I don't even know if it's your weapon or if you had a tool or whatever it is, but like a lot of it, um, has, an aesthetic where like if you blow something away, it's almost like that virtual reality computery thing where like the polygons kind of like just blow away and you, and you can suddenly create a new path for yourself. I think when it comes to stuff like that, it's pretty novel. I think, I think it's, it's something that I would like to give a, give it a try. But again, I'm troubled with a lot of the games taking place that Ubisoft is showcasing where it's just, it's a lot of unrest and anarchy. It's weird how like <laughs> yeah. that seems to be their MO as of late where they want to create games where the, like, you know, the man is keeping him down or holding him down or whatever. And you're this ragtag Motley crew, not going to take no for an answer. You need to have a rebel. Yeah. It's weird how like, like it's it, a lot of their titles uh, seem to have the, the same approach, but I'm going to keep it open mind about hyperscape. I, I think that, the, like I said, I think there's potential in there for perhaps some some fun gameplay. Now, the third title that they showed was Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And if you recall, Steve, which I'm sure you do. I don't. When it came to Microsoft's initial third-party show, which, of course, the entire show was underwhelming, they showed this game. And I say that very lightly, uh, or loosely, I should say, where... You really didn't see any game. You saw a pre-rendered cinematic. <laughs> but I think this is a game where after watching it, see, one of the, the, the challenges of when you are presenting on a live stream as opposed to like being an E3 is the resolution is lower. It's not at like a, a maximized crispiness. And sometimes you can be lucky and do a search once the live stream has ended and they will make some sort of 4K version of the video available. I would highly encourage anyone to watch the 4K versions because that's much more true to form uh, as to what the game is supposed to look like. So when it came to Valhalla, we actually got to see quite a bit of gameplay. And I'm with you. I think there are certain parts where I'm like, ooh, that looks really nice. And there are other parts where I'm like, ooh, that looks really bad. And I like the idea of being a Viking. I think that that's a really fresh 
approach to the, the long series of Assassin's Creed. And I think I, I, out of the, out of all the games I saw on here that actually showed gameplay, I think this one is probably the one I'm most interested in. And Assassin's Creed tends to be more of your series. Cause I know you've played a, at least two of the games, if not three. Uh, yeah, definitely. And for me, like I've always struggled with the premise of Assassin's Creed. The storyline makes no sense to me whatsoever. I have played a little bit of uh, one or two of the titles and I do appreciate like what they have put together with it, but I, it has never hooked me. And so I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case with this game or not. I do think that it might be worth playing on PC instead of the console though. It might be that it is a title that if I were to play on like a PS5 or an Xbox Series X, then it would be a non-issue just because that's going to be a big bump up in, in performance and everything else. And, you know, uh, I think the reason why I say that is because when Assassin's Creed Odyssey came out, every friend I talked to who was playing the game was saying, oh man, like this game looks gorgeous on PC because they're able to crank up all the graphics fidelity and everything else. And so it's like, oh wow, this is really something as opposed to, oh, I'm playing on the console and they've locked in what you're able to, to experience. So is this a game that, that you think you're going to try out? I'd have to see more, honestly. I, but I say that, and this is the third time I've seen the game, but I just haven't really seen enough. I guess I, I'm a little bit nervous for this game, honestly, because Ubisoft came out with the reveal of the, well, just a cinematic sequence of the game before any of these other shows started popping out. And so this was like the, the taste of, oh, wow, here's the thing. Like they, they, they're they taking the leap and here's what next, next gen is going to look like. Although it was just a rendered scene from a high NPC. And maybe the rendered scene looked like that, but we don't want, we don't play games for the rendered scenes. We play games for the gameplay. And so anyway, that was supposed to just be a taste. And so by the time Xbox showed it, we thought, okay, we have a taste show us the gameplay. And then they didn't really show us the gameplay. And so now we're still seeing the game for the third time. So now it, it's not so, it's not surprising whatsoever. They're, it's more like, oh, they're showing Assassin's Creed Valhalla again for the third time. Okay, well, can you wow me this time? And then they show it and it's a back and forth of, oh, that's beautiful. Oh, that kind of sucks. Oh, that, that, <laughs> that guy's mouth movement doesn't even match his voice. What is going on? Like, oh, can I just say, Ubisoft has always struggled with facial animation syncing up to the voiceovers. I don't understand why that is because Ubisoft is a talented publisher, but for some reason they just cannot get that figured out. Well, anyhow, so it went back and forth and now I'm not really excited about the game. I'm either stale on it or I don't really know how I feel about it because it looks like, a rushed next gen game at this point. And if they don't have the mechanics down, because you see it, I think, which one was it? One of the first Assassin's Creed game that I got for the Xbox One was the one that was in France. And I think that was Syndicate. I could be absolutely wrong, but it's the, it was the one that was held in France. And they were having tons of bugs with it. Like the game had to have a bunch of updates. And eventually, I don't know if they stopped updating or, or they, they, just gave up on it, moved on to other things. But like you would parkour on the, on, on different rooftops and then you were there and then you weren't there and then you were just climbing in the sky. And then 
like people's faces would strip apart. You just see like eyes and some like mouths moving. <laughs> like what is happening? <laughs> so yeah. anyhow, they so that's where I'm put down the mushrooms. That's my reference for Assassin's Creed just getting on the next gen. And I know that they probably want the reputation of like, yeah, we're we're working on next gen titles, and our title is going to be released with you know at the same time the system is or whatever soon after. But that being said, and they're what they're showing is not that exciting. I I just need to see more before I, I want to stand in line or go, you know, get myself a hard copy of it or um, spend top dollar. Again, I, it, it's just like this repeating sense of what else do you have? Is if, if Take Cyberpunk. Everything they've shown me on Cyberpunk. Everything. It's like, yes, please yeah. take my money. And yeah. how, many, how much have we seen for Cyberpunk? And I am excited. We, we have be, literally seen hours exactly, worth of gameplay. Exactly. And I'm <laughs> lapping it all up. And I want this game so bad. And and that's how, I mean, to me, yes, I will wait in line if there's a line. I'll, I'll go to GameStop and wait in the rain if I have to to get a game sure, yeah. on the first day. And I have absolutely no problem doing that. But I'm not going to do that with Assassin's Creed Valhalla from what I've seen in the last few months. Sure. I, I'm just not. So I'm not ruling it out. Like I said, I'm keeping an open mind. Like it's kind of a little <laughs> common thing we're saying on the show. But I, they do have to come out with more and they don't. They can't have the bugs. And they need to make it look next gen, just not next gen here and there. Yeah. Makes sense. Now they came also out. Well, okay. Before I get to that, they had a couple of mobile titles that they were showing. One of which it looked like it was almost like a Team Fortress Three ish type of game with like different characters that maybe were loosely based off of other Ubisoft properties and stuff. I honestly found this to be a little disturbing because apparently the game is rated T for Teen, but it's it's clearly a shooter. And I mean, you it's and the the types of classes you have, you know, you have sniper, you have, uh, your, your assault, your defense, your special tactics and you know, that sort of thing. But it's weird to me how, I don't know, like there, there's kind of a ferocity, at least when it came to the, the pre-render, cause we didn't actually, once again, we saw no gameplay. It was just a pre-rendered cinematic of what was going on. But it, it, even though it had more of that team fortress kind of art direction to the game, the game itself was decidedly more militaristic. I mean, it was definitely more of a, a realistic feel to it. And I think that's what's throwing me off is like, man, this is, I don't think this is appropriate to be able to have a game like this be T for teen. Was that the Tom Clancy one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that there was that. And they had another game too. And honestly, I don't even remember what it was. Well, it seemed like the way they presented that too was taken from a previous game or other previous games. I remember either this year or last year, and I don't remember the game, but I remember a bunch of folks uh, running about the city and you would have folks that were, you know, kind of parkouring a little bit and then they would shoot something or somebody and then that person would get capped. And then, you know, from you would see the person who capped that one individual and then someone else saw them and they would radio in some sort of thing or they had a bazooka and then they would shoot, but then someone else would shoot that sort right. of thing again and again and again. And I, 
I remember that sequence happening a couple times. When I saw this, it looked like the game I had seen months ago, <laughs> only with a different kind of like art direction for the characters. And so again, it, it kind of fell flat for me. I don't, I'm, I actually missed it. That was mobile. I know that they were advertising some mobile games, mm-hmm. which I thought were kind of misplaced in, in a way, but I, I missed that that game altogether was mobile. I don't know what I was watching. I felt like I was watching that same thing I watched <laughs> months ago. So the final game that they showcased was Far Cry 6. And once again, there was absolutely zero gameplay showing this. They had a very impressive pre-rendered cinematic. And I'm a personal fan of pre-rendered cinematics. I like them quite a bit, especially in my games. However, when it comes to E3 or the time for E3, uh, type of presentations. I just I really want to see gameplay. That's where it's at. And you have once again this this is a, a series that you've played at least a couple of titles in. I think when it comes to the setting, I find it interesting. I like how it's it's apparently it's set in Cuba, and I like the relationship of of kind of the father son thing and and the insurrect once again insurrection going on and uh, how do you uh, civil unrest civil unrest and anarchy everything else now this one actually plays into what I was you know I was talking about earlier which is it would be nice to have a, a different type of uh, fresh approach to how like instead of instead of it from the the rebel or anarchist uh, perspective or downtrodden whatever however you want to describe it now you're taking it more from from a place of power and looking down and how do you mitigate that what do you do at least that's what the cinematic was communicating to me so this might you know i have not played any of the previous far cry games and this one actually i is a toss up between this and, and valhalla in terms of which game i'm interested in just because with Valhalla, we actually did see quite a bit of gameplay. So I'm like, okay, I'm interested in, in trying this out. With Far Cry 6, the premise alone was something that I want to get more exposure to. And I don't even know, did they say when the game is supposed to be released? February. February of next year. Okay. Anyway, I may find myself, uh, depending on what the reviews are and, and how the gameplay shakes out, I may have that be my very first Far Cry 6 game, but... In terms of, of what you saw, what did you think? Yeah, I definitely went back to what I I like with Far Cry. I, you know, you, I've played 3 and 4, and I actually really do like 3 and 4. 3 more so, but it, it, I, I should say, I knew nothing about Far Cry other than that it was a title that I've seen the, on the you know Best Buy shelf or whatever for the longest time. And I don't know why I... I think maybe I watched an angry Joe episode or a review or something on it. And I thought, Hmm, that would be interesting. And I, I looked at some more YouTube reviews and that's literally what I went on. And I left the house that day, went to Best Buy, picked it up for like 30 bucks because it was older at the time and went home and played it. And I loved it. I'm like, when's the next one coming out? Mm. And so you were always, you know, somebody who was in like this third world country and had to make the best of what you had and, you know, play on the right side to uh, have human rights or democracy or, you know, stop the civil war in, in, a, in a way or, or take out a tyrant or a dictator or something. 
And I liked that. I thought it was, and, and the, I loved the graphic style. You're always out like in the jungle or, or something and you, you, you know, the animals were against you and, and the, the, you know, the, the bad guys were against you. The bugs were against yeah, you. The bugs were against you. And so <laughs> the ants were against you. And I, I don't know. I always had I'm a nice guy. Why does everybody hate me? <laughs> what did I ever do to you? I just got lost here. Now I'm caught up in all this crap. <laughs> Anyhow. And so when I, I just didn't really, I didn't care for the story or being in Montana necessarily with the last one. And then, I don't know, I, with that DLC, who, who even knows what they were trying to do? I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know. But this one seems like it's going back to what I like about it. And um, I think it'd be one thing if they stayed in Cuba, like w- within the town. I But from the little bit that I've read, it seems like you're exploring different parts of Cuba. Yeah. And so you're going to be in the jungle a bit and maybe we're going to see some, some beaches and water and stuff and just wildlife. And, um, that's, that's what I've liked about the other games. So, uh, what I've read and what I've seen, yes, that's a pre-rendered and I get it, but the cinematic was good and the story elements were good. And so far what I've read is good. So that one's, uh, got a thumbs up for me. Well, that's good. Would you say that is actually the game you were looking forward to the most from what they showed? Yes, actually. And <laughs> I should say too, I was looking, I was doing some, some looking around on the forward uh, show before it happened and somebody in, uh, what was it? Hong Kong. I sent you the link. I forgot where oh, it was yeah. and they had already posted it. So I went, Oh, for critique. <laughs> and so then I already kind of expected them to, to release. I wish I had never, man, I wish I would have never seen that though, because I would have gone, uh, pretty crazy if when that yeah. one that happened well so in conclusion for my side of things um i thought that they had an okay showing uh but it, it was very heavy on flash and very bang. light <laughs> flashbang flashbang yeah and very light on substance i do think what um is disappointing and troubling about where Ubisoft is at this point in time, at least when it comes to the, the, the roster of games is they seem to be very obsessed with this third person shooter genre where, you know, if you, if you look at watchdogs Legion, or if you look at, I mean, Valhalla is not, there's no guns in there, but it's more of a melee uh, fest. Um, you look at, at hyperscape, uh, even Far Cry, I mean, Far Cry 6 is, is more first-person shooter um, as opposed to third-person, and we didn't see any gameplay for that. But the mobile game that they were showing, too, that was kind of reminiscent of, like, a super violent Team Fortress game. I don't know. I think there's got to be more when it comes... I feel like the, like the game designers in Ubisoft need to come back together at the at the table and be like, okay what other types of games can we create? And I'll just throw one out there. I was disappointed that we didn't see beyond good and evil too. Oh yeah. Easily. I'm like, where that we saw this game that looked amazing two years ago. I'm like, where is it now? They even had like a glimpse of the gameplay footage. I mean, it looked incredible. Yeah. And that, that is the one title that I want to see more of. Also when it comes to like the, the Tom Clancy series, for instance, 
where are the games now? Granted that is kind of, you know, more about like the third person shoot em up kind of thing, but at least it would be a bit different in the sense that it's more of like that governmental military Tom Clancy novel kind of thing. And you know, whether it's ghost recon advanced Warfighter or if it's rainbow six, it doesn't matter. I mean, like there are a lot of different things you can do with that. And for me personally, I'm just not, I, and, and this may be just due to the, the, the current times going on with all of the uh, rioting and protests and everything else. But I just, I feel like a lot of what they're putting into their games, at least what they showed for this I just feel like, like I'm already kind of feeling fatigued from real life versions of this kind of thing that's going on. And it's a, you know, it's stressful and everything else. And I just don't, I don't necessarily find that appealing right now for me personally, when it comes to my entertainment, I want to kind of get away from that a bit. But I also know that, that Ubisoft is capable of creating other types of games. Like for instance, Rayman, Rayman is a fantastic platforming game and I absolutely loved Rayman Legends. I would love for them to come out with another sequel to that particular game because of the ingenuity and the creativeness that goes into it. I just think it'd be great. But yeah, there just seemed to be a lot of just heavy emphasis on the violence, which don't get me wrong. I mean, I will play certain games that are violent. I'm not like over here. Mortal Kombat. Yeah. I'm not uh, all sunshine and rainbows in my games. Puppy dogs and candy canes. And I will say though, I do like my sunshine and rainbows and Peggle. Peggle is, is one of those games that just makes me happy. What'd you think though, Steve? And your concluding thoughts. Yeah, I'm just with you on it. I, I, at this point I am a bit nervous about, the next generation systems that are coming because we've had a lot of hype. We know what they can do. We're, we're, we're being told that this is going to be this quantum leap. But as far as what we've seen, nobody has felt a quantum leap yet. And maybe that's maybe the next Microsoft show that's coming on the 23rd is going to be, you know, no holds bar. Here's what we've been showing you. Or, or here's what we've been waiting to show you. And we're all going to be blown away. Who knows? But, and, and I guess maybe it's it's fair to say that not every title that they are going to show is going to be a winner. Well, of course not. Right. But at this point, I would have liked to see, okay, maybe I'm not going to get that game, but wow. Oh my gosh. Wow, does that look amazing. Wow, does that look cool. We haven't had that at all. I mean, even Cyberpunk, the gameplay looks fantastic. The graphics look great too, but we haven't, I don't, I feel like we haven't seen it running on like next gen hardware. You know what, you know what I mean? Like I, right. I, I see it running on like current gen stuff and they're still trying to finish the game. So we're not going to know. I mean, it, it continues to look better and better every time they release something. Right. But at this point, I, I, I definitely am nervous. I, we've seen, Quite a few games that have been released on both sides of the aisle, PlayStation and Xbox. We've seen our third-party titles available for both systems, and I am just not seeing it. And I feel like my excitement is plateauing. Like, it's not it's not going up, it's not going down, but I'm not nearly as excited when one of these shows comes out because... 
I'm being let down in a sense. Well, absolutely. And I think too, especially when you think about how these systems are probably going to cost somewhere in the vicinity of 450 to $550. That's probably where the systems are going to be price point wise. And the games themselves reportedly are going to cost $70. It's going oh, up by 10 bucks, man. So there's got to be something there that is captivating and makes me want to be able to, to spend that kind of money. Otherwise I can wait, you know, like, like if, if the games that are coming out are not really going to be pushing the bar that far and, and you know, I can, I have my Xbox one X that's going to you know be close enough. I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I really think I'm with you on that. I, I, I do not, again, I'm, I just want to drive this point home. I do not understand or like this, this thing of uh, div, like kind of doling out the, the shows where like, like Ubisoft's going to have another show in a couple of months and Microsoft's going to have another show. And it's like, guys, stop. Just have one show where we see everything you're working on and that's that that'll be it. And then later on, like if you want to drop something that's an update that places like IGN or, or Polygon or, or Kotaku can pick up and, and run as a news article like, oh, you know, Microsoft shows, you know, latest footage of, of blah, blah, blah. Sweet. I will look at that and everything else. But I do not like this idea, especially in a next gen console release year. That's the thing. I think that's where you and I are at is like, you do not play those kind of games in a year like this. You need to come out guns blazing and just really just, just, just impress everybody out the gate. That wraps up this episode of joy guys. Make sure you tune in next week. Make sure you also check out patreon.com slash joygasm, which is spelled J-O-Y-G-A-S-M and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention, it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. We are also on Discord, so definitely check us out there because we are becoming more and more active on that, and our show in the future will actually be utilizing that platform to be able to look at various questions and comments that you have that perhaps we will even talk about while we record. Definitely want to miss that. And last but not least, do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night. At 9.30 p.m. Central Time, we will see you all next week.